0: This is Deion Dawkins, man. You're listening to The Scoop on owlscoop.com. You already know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop. Owlscoop.com's podcast is season eight, episode seven. I'm John DiCarlo joined by Caden Steele. Javon Evans is going to be with us in a little bit And making his triumphant return to the scoop. Kyle Gallus.
1: I was only going for like two episodes, right? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I haven't been gone that long. But I'm here. I'm here. I'm excited to be here. Going to be at the game Saturday. It's a big deal. Well, they'll be giving away that I've been mailing this in for the first two weeks of the season.
0: <laughs> or, or you've been... Or you've been Playing the role of a father to a second child—that's. Hey, uh,
1: I handled our coverage on Saturday. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know you—you you saw an Instagram post from the Al Scoop Instagram page for the first time in six months. That was me. I'm out here posting every day.
0: <laughs> Stories have been active, but yeah. Kyle Famous number sevens. Ron Jaworski. Mike Vick. Caden, this what do you have?
2: Stewart. Chester Boy. Stewart. Yeah. I'm trying to think of someone. I have Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia.
1: Did he wear seven with the Eagles?
2: I
0: think so.
1: I just remember um I did. I just remember like right after he had like that improbable like run with him when he took over, they were just selling shirts in the stores. And they said like Jeff Garcia, a fighter fights. <laughs> okay.
0: I remember that. Jeff Garcia. Uh I feel like we're forgetting a bunch of
2: important ones, but Carmelo New York. Who? Carmelo when he was the Knicks. Next- oh yeah.
1: No yeah. way Mickey Mantle,
2: yep. The Mick,
0: uh,
1: Pistol Pete, yeah, yeah. Carmelo Vic Pudge Rodriguez. Hmm, yeah, there's a lot of good just, a, seven that that
0: Stewart's a good pull,
1: Randall Cunningham. When he was with the Vikings,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, 12 with the Eagles, 7 with the Vikings, right? Um, uh,
1: I'm gonna, oh, here's a little thing a future all star center fielder that took an official visit to Temple for basketball, Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton.
0: Yeah.
1: And he fell asleep during practice and Cheney
0: stopped recording. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> it's a very good story. Um, got some good stuff to talk about this week, namely the fact that the, well, I don't want to call it the EJ Warner era because this is a week-by-week week thing. He could, you know, he come in, struggle against Rutgers. they could go in a different direction again. But nonetheless, he came in against Lafayette helped lead the team to a win. So obviously we'll be recapping Temple's win over Lafayette, the first of the Stan Drayton error, previewing Rutgers. We've got some mailbag questions uh, for you guys as well, but, um, just impressions of the, of the 30 to 14 win here. I mean, there's a lot to, a lot to dissect. I know that EJ Warner is the, obviously the, the big story. Um, I was admittedly, I went back and rewatched the game. My wife and I were driving down to Kings mountain, North Carolina to adopt a puppy. So I was not there uh, in person. Caden was Kyle was uh, what you look like. You're going to say something, Kyle. Like,
1: Where's Jagger Gardner from?
0: Oh, that's a good something question. Black mountain. Black, Black mountain? Ma- Yeah. It's not Kings mountain. Okay. That's far away. The yeah. whole guy, <laughs> guy was worth it though. It's hard to find shih tzus. It's hard to find those little guys. He's, he's bears cute though. He's a good, he's a good little guy.
1: Um, you text me asking how much I paid for my dog like seven years ago. And I've I, I told you how much, but I didn't even tell you that you could just get a free dog from the pound. Like a week, like a week after I got Riggins, they were like, Yeah, every dog's free. Like we're clearing the we're clearing the shelter. Yeah. yeah. Fiscal decision.
0: How's Riggs doing?
1: He's regressing, I feel like. Aww. He eats crap more
0: often, pissing on the patio. He's adjusting. Yeah. Well, now. anyway. Anyway, Caden, you're just before we get into some of the the nitty gritty elements uh, of of the game here. Um, again, a lot to dissect. Temple stars hate selling coach. A lot to clean up. But um, I mean, what are your general takeaways from
2: from what you saw on Saturday? Yeah, I think the number one thing we have to start with is EJ Warner. Even if you know, I want to pump the brakes a little bit on the whole EJ Warner hype that's circulating everywhere on Twitter and stuff. Because albeit it was against Lafayette. But for a freshman coming in that I don't think any of us really expected to play this year, he looked poised, confident, accurate. I think he had a very good game versus, you know, an FCS team that's not very good. So take it with some context. But I think that was my biggest takeaway, that he was a lot more ready than I expected him to be. <laughs> but, you know. I'll just put up a time as a <laughs> background on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but I think, uh, I think Warner is going to, you know, has a bright future here potentially here at Temple. I think this Rutgers game could be where we finally get to see kind of where he's actually at. But I think he looked good. And I think at the end of the day, the answer came out that, I don't know how good EJ is going to be, but I think I know from that game, at least he's better than DeWan. He didn't hurt the team as much. Dewan's really struggled in the first two weeks of the season. I think Temple has found their number one quarterback for this year. That would be kind of like the main takeaway I have offensively. I think defensively they looked, you know, better than that Duke game. Uh, I think they kind of, you know, picked off where they started. Where they played better in the second half of that Duke game. They got some pass rush. I thought Darian Varner looked good for a second straight week. Leighton Jordan looked good for a second straight week, and I think Torre made some plays as well. There, you know, you have some, you know, encouragement or you feel very encouraged, you know, about that defensive line. I think, Gilis.
0: Kyle, is your time as a flat circle thing up there? Be, is that? I, I could be wrong here. Is this? Time is a flat circle because it's a it's it's a, a a reach back to PJ Walker coming in. You're muted.
1: Land the plane, John. You got there. 2013, 2022. The parallels are starting to get a little uncanny. To yeah. be honest, uh, like it's similar stuff. Enter in 2013, you thought Connor Riley and then Juice Granger. You enter 2022, you thought Dwayne Mathis and maybe Quincy Patterson. Maybe it's EJ Warner. It's a new coaching staff. Another parallel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2013 was the last year of like Rutgers, Louisville, all these big guys being in the conference. 2022, the last year of Cincinnati, UCF, Houston being in the conference. Things are starting to align. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll echo a lot of what Caden said, which I think is it's really early <laughs> to uh, think that hey, Temple just found you know a four-year starter and a future NFL pro and EJ Warner. It just it was kind of uncanny though how much better the offense looked once it had um you know serviceable if not good quarterback play. I mean I think some of the stuff that like, they kept a pretty simple form. It was still he had better wide receivers going up against it, an FCS opponent, but like we texted about a little bit this last week. The one thing that sticks out is that one play where he gets absolutely drilled and he hits – I forget if it's Ian – I forget if it's Jordan Smith or Jose Barbaro. That was Jordan
0: Smith. Jordan down. Smith yeah. he
1: hits him on a seam route just, like, stood in there a lot longer. And then, quite mm-hmm. frankly, Juwan Mathis wouldn't take that hit. Juwan Mathis would have thrown the ball away just, uh, before he sensed the pressure on that. We, we have a year and a half where the film now that shows that that's what Juwan Mathis does when the pocket collapses. Uh, and with this offensive line, the pocket is – now it was going to be clean. So I think yeah. it's imperative that they have a quarterback that is making the right reads. Feels like a lot of the stuff he succeeds at was pre-snap. Um and yeah, it's encouraging. And if anything, it gives you something to watch and focus because I feel like people were getting a little sick of the Duan Mathis uh saga.
0: Yeah, I, I know I'm not bringing any news here, but it's I mean it's for you know, for Dewan, it's just kind of a shame how um how quickly he went like from North to South in that game. Now, again, one throw doesn't make a good game, but on that first drive, I mean, the, the throw that, that throw to Barbone could not have been any better. It was right there, His feet were set, shoulders were set, makes a good throw. And then after that, um, it's just, I mean, the two fumbles, there was the drive where he, you know, he, you know, uh, didn't miss the throw to, missed the throw to Ian Stewart ball security bad. He doesn't look like he looks like a very unsure runner and a very unwilling runner. Again, easy for me to say, I have never played quarterback. I've never been hit before, but on both of those hits, um, they were kind of like slightly harder arm tackles. Um, even that slide, when he went to go slide, he almost hurt himself. Like he just looked, um, he looked really sharp on that first throw and then boom, just you know, and, and I think, you know, Kyle, you can relate to this. We've covered a few different eras of Temple football. When you're covering a new coach, a new staff, a new season, it's just as important to listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it. And, you know, again, we don't want to hype up EJ Warner to, to be his father, but I mean, like every time Stan has talked about him, his eyes light up a little bit. He's like ball placements there. He's decisive. He, he knows where he wants to go with the ball. And it, it does sound like this has been brewing in practice. The only thing I can assume is that they did not think that Quincy Patterson had a good week of practice. You know, I had a couple of people text me like, why isn't Quincy Patterson in the game other than me saying I'm not there? It's like, I'm assuming he didn't, he didn't practice well, but um, it's just, he, he DeWan just really just fell off there. And he just really looked like he, uh, you know, looked sharp on that first throw and then just between... The ball security, the poor throws. Um, I you know I wonder how many first team reps he got. Uh, EJ did heading into practice, but he ended up finishing 14 of 19 passing, 173 yards and two touchdowns. Jose Barbone had eight catches for 118 yards. I think he looks like he's really progressed and, and looks sharp. Uh, Leighton Jordan had two and a half sacks and has played two strong games to start the season. As as Jordan McGee, I think last week we talked about how there are some guys that look like they really belong and some guys that look like they're trying to. Uh, just figure it out. Um, I'm intrigued to see what happens with the line moving forward on that, on that second uh, touchdown, the one that, that Kyle was referencing the throw to Jordan Smith, where EJ where e. Warner stuck in there and took a hit. I don't know exactly who hit him, but by that point, Adam Klein was out of the game. We should note that he is, you know, Stan said on Monday that he's day to day. I don't know what I can't, I don't know if I missed it. Did they talk specifics on on last Saturday about what's going on with Klein? Yeah. They did not mention like with the specific injury at all. So you could see, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that Adam Klein and Isaac Moore have been, have been perfect, but that I think the previous staff like Jim 2 Obadegu. The current staff likes him, so he was in there at right tackle when Adam Klein was out. Jim 2 got beat, as far as we can see, unless maybe we're missing something with the assignment there. Jim 2 gets beat, pressure comes in, EJ stands in there, delivers a good ball. Granted, Jordan Smith was wide open, but it was a seam route, like Kyle said, where he still needed to stand, uh, stand in there and make the throw, obviously against a much better Rutgers team this week, you know, they're already kind of up against it. Rutgers is 2-0. They, they came from behind beat Boston college. They did exactly what they should have done to a bad Wagner team. Uh, but, you know, Bryce, Bryce Toman started left guard. Thought that was interesting because, you know, um, Santa just praised, he said, James famine who played really well. Um, and I don't know if he just had a bad week of practice, but Bryce Toman started left guard. Isaac Moore was a left tackle again. Rich Rodriguez was center, uh, Wisdom Quarshie at right guard, Klein at right tackle again until he got, until he got hurt. Those guys are going to again have their hands full. I think we were texting about this, you know, earlier this week. You know how good are Adam Klein and Isaac Moore? And Kyle made the point of like, well, you have to factor on, you have to factor in what's going on in the interior of the offensive line. Um, and then obviously again, is he going to do this every week? No. But Devon Fox is three block punts you know, just refreshing to see anything happen on special teams again after a, a few years where it just had really almost kind of been de-emphasized. They really weren't going after, uh, really weren't going after kicks. Um, I liked Kyle's tweet where he was like, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that's a program record.
1: Which when I tweet that, we talked about this, people didn't like, multiple people tweeted me like, what's the NCAA record? Like if I couldn't find the Temple record, in hindsight, it's actually really easy to find the NCAA record by just put no effort or energy into
0: mm-hmm.
1: anything like that. It is probably important to note that it was against Lafayette, right? And, like, Devon Fox's biggest skill there is speed. So, like, he has an athletic advantage over uh, the team. But, yeah, I still impressed. I mean, they hadn't had a block punt since pre rod Carey. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: the one thing – I mean, with Rutgers coming up, I don't know if we want to transition to that. The one thing they might kind of have going for them a little bit, Rutgers' defensive line's not, like – world beaters like it's right. like there's the thing that concerns me the most about this game is Rutgers offensive line is I think is really good they really shorted it up with a lot of key transfers that they seem like they've hit on right. their defensive line is not full of you know future NFL pros they, they they've been trying to kind of like patch that together with you know Yves and Aaron Lewis from Michigan and they really haven't had the success yet that you would expect so mm-hmm. I that being said Temple's offensive line we knew it was uh and a concern coming into the season, we'd kind of just assume that eventually they would get it right because Chris Wiesingham would eventually get it right. And maybe they will, but right now it's kind of a rotating door at left guard. It seems whether it's via injury or performance. And I feel like that trickles down to affect left tackle and same with right guard and right tackle. And when you're throwing in guys that have never played center before to play center, like it gets hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Um And another thing that's, that's interesting with Rutgers, again, it's they they're in year three of the second greg shiano era and i don't know i mean Rutgers fans might feel similarly or dissimilarly about this um it seems like they're starting to progress and they're on track to where shiano wants them to be again they, they came from behind to beat boston college we're out of wagner noah vedrell is probably going to be out again right so they're playing two quarterbacks and and gavin wimsatt and evan simon simon was 10 of 12 passing last week for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Winsat is, is really dangerous as a runner. He's a former four-star recruit had 62 yards on six carries last week through a touchdown also through a pick. So he's had some up and down moments, but as Kyle mentioned there, you know, I'd look, I'd
1: look at their week one stats that I think that's a weakness for them too.
0: Yeah, it is yeah. now for them. Like you said, they have a pretty good offensive line that's protecting them. So, you know, It'd be a big step forward if if guys like like Leighton Jordan, Darian Varner, maybe a Trey Thomas gets make something happen off the edge against a against a much better offensive line. You know, it, it, I think that's I don't want to say it's their only shot at upsetting Rutgers, but it sure would help them if they can get something going early, uh, early on, and and in, in um in you know disrupting something there behind the line of scrimmage. How do you guys feel about Temple secondary going up against uh Josh Youngblood and Aaron Crookshank? And again, I wasn't there last week. Um Dominic Hill, Caden, you're shaking your head.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were, you know, if I was Temple, I would not be there, you know, feeling pretty good about this matchup coming in. Look, Jalen McMurray, we also that one player we closed on the sideline, and broke up the pass. I think he's got a lot of potential he's still a redshirt freshman. And then, you know, at that cornerback two position, they keep rotating guys in. We've seen Elijah Clark, we've seen Dominic Hill, and I don't think they've truly found that answer there. My feeling is that Cameron Ruiz is eventually going to take that spot again, you know, when, or if he is healthy this year that hopefully, you know, for them, he can step in because I think he would be more of a suitable option. But you know, going to this week, you're playing, you know, two really good wide receivers, especially with crew and young blood and, I, I think it's going to be a tough matchup, especially if they get time, in the or one of the quarterbacks, whoever starts with Rutgers gets time in the pocket. It could be a, you know, a tough day for uh, you know, Temple.
1: I'm going to say this, knowing that I'm setting myself up for them to drop like 130 yards against Temple. But when did Josh Youngblood and Shank become Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown?
0: They're not. Josh Youngblood,
1: when he transferred in last year, couldn't crack the depth chart because he was so bad at routes mm-hmm. that they put him exclusively at kick return. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's gotten a little better. Clearly he is. If he's starting in the Big Ten, he's gotten a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But like, their receiving core is a lot worse than it was last year. Sean yeah. Ryan, former Temple, you know, prodigy, Sean Ryan, who went to West Virginia and came back, is now back in the fold. But mm-hmm. I and mean, they lost Bo Melton. Like, right. They're Rutgers. We're talking a little bit about how they're progressing, and they are progressing in a sense of uh, like their program is progressing and they're more respectable. In all this mm-hmm. offensive talent wise, they're worse than they were last year. Yeah. Like, they yeah. lost Isaiah Pacheco, who has 61 yards for the Chiefs. On Sunday, granted, and most uh, and mop up, they lost Bo Melton, who I think I waived. I don't think he's in the NFL anymore, mm-hmm. at least right now. Like, their quarterback position is worse than it was last year. Gavin Wim said there's a reason he ended up at Rutgers. Like, I get that he's he's really young. Like, he enrolled when he was still in high school, he left high school midseason, and enrolled at Temple, or enrolled at Rutgers and played last year. But he's young, like, he'll be better in three years. There, There's a reason Noah Vedril keeps winning that job despite having limitations right. for himself. I've seen worse temple teams compete with better Rutgers teams as well. Say mm-hmm. back to that 2013 season, they lead that entire season, that entire game against Rutgers, a future bowl team Rutgers, and then they lose on a Gary Nola uh, thing. So it's not probable by any stretch of the imagination. I think temples are going to be a 20 point dog before this is all uh, over, mm-hmm. but it's not impossible. Like I think they need to protect the ball. They need to force a turnover for the first time this season. They haven't forced a single turnover two games in that's concerning. Yeah. Mm.
0: And they're right. I would agree with you. I mean, again, like the, I, I do think their offensive talent took a step back. I'm thinking more. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to compare them to, to Devonte Smith and guys like that too, but like they are Croakshank and, and young, are fast. The, the the secondary, I do think that you, you can see flashes of why they like Jalen McMurray, Dominic Hill, you know, didn't have a good game against Duke. Uh, I, I don't know. Again, from week to week, do these guys build confidence off of little moments? And are we having a different conversation about them a couple of weeks from and now? I
1: think he played better against Lafayette than Elijah Clark against Duke.
0: Well, yeah, at least in that yeah. Sense. Like, Um, I mean, how do you guys feel against them? You know, they've got a couple of good backs. They've run the ball well. Kyle guy Al Shadi Salam combined. Again, 127 yards and two touchdowns in the win over Wagner. A lot of their, not that those are super inflated stats, but it's a 66 to 7 game. I would agree. You look at what they did a little bit more uh, against BC, but um, there's another test for the defense. Kyle, what do you think they have to, uh, I know it sounds like the cliche question, but you make some good points about Rutgers. They are they are good, they are progressing, but you're not also putting them on a pedestal. What would, if, if I say to you, Temple wins this game Saturday and upsets, upsets Rutgers, it is because of what?
1: before turnovers and they protect the pocket i don't think they're going to be able to run the ball super well uh just because they haven't proven that they've run the, they can run the ball against anybody really yet they ran the ball in the first half against lafayette and then peeled mm. back i think they, they, they just need to be aggressive on defense um i think they're going to get burnt a couple of times just because that speed that we talked about and other than maybe dion hawkins i'm not sure if there's that fast of a guy in the at cornerbacks room right now but I think I think this isn't gonna come down if if you can copy and paste what EJ Warner did against Lafayette and he does it against Rutgers, and they have a fighting chance. But if he looks like a you know an 18 year old that looks eye to eye with me height wise, then this could be a long, long day
2: for them.
0: Hmm. Keith, what about a player what about a player Saturday that we're maybe not talking about that, that you think needs to have a good game for them to to win?
2: Uh, that's and that's you know tough you know to think. I think honestly, you know at the you know at the end of that game we saw that throw from Warner, you know Warner the uh, Jordan Smith. Why not give someone that he's comfortable with over the middle to give him a safe target? I think if Jordan Smith can have a big game on offense and you know, to go along with Jose Barbo to go on with Adonica uh, Sanders, I think that could give him that third option in the offense, where mm. you know maybe he's confident in you know more in the pocket, you know making more of those throws if he feels he's got that safe guy you know across mm. the middle.
1: We have talked about him, but I'll just say Leighton Jordan is the most important person on defense for this mm-hmm. team. Whether it's him, or actually, whether it's him or Trey Thomas or you know Jake Holland. the fact that Temple gets pressure from kind of like a non-conventional way, like they're not expecting necessarily, you know, the the defensive ends to get there, gives them like a fighting chance against this line. I would say so. Mm-hmm. I mean, Leighton Jordan's looked the part. Is, yeah. is what this comes down to? Like, Leighton Jordan is the type of guy where if he keeps on this trajectory, then that might be a a one and doneer situation where he's been sticking around, sticking around, sticking around, finally has that boom season and then declares or does whatever he does.
0: Ian Stewart also worth mentioning. Again, I know we talked about him catching that touchdown pass, but there's a guy, again, it's, it's two weeks in, but so far it looks like they have kind of hit on him in the, in the transfer portal. Stan Drayton was uh very praiseworthy of him on Monday. He said he's always in the, he just always seems to be in. Again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, he always seems to be in the in the right place at the at the right time, and uh, does give him another element there. Um, I think real
1: quick with him, one, they've always been lacking size at that position. Yeah, it says Brandon Ryan left, uh, not Brandon Ryan. Uh, Brandon Mack left. Two, I think we kind of forget how good of a recruit he was. Like he mm-hmm. had like the offers you would you would want a kid in Michigan to have: Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State. To the point that you're like, okay, this was like, and they didn't get him. You know, four years later, when he hadn't succeeded at Michigan State, they got him young, but he had barely been in Michigan State, so. That's a, a building block for this program as well.
0: Mm. Let's, um, before we head over to to the mailbag to answer a couple of mailbag questions, again, just to, uh, something to keep an eye on the basketball recruiting front. Um, I talked to Zion Stanford from West Catholic, um, and uh, he'd made his official visit to temple, visited Boston College officially, and then was supposed to uh, wrap up things with an official visit uh, to Drexel, I believe, at some point this week. I, I believe, you know, from a couple of people I've talked to, that the Drexel's probably a distant third at this point. Um, I imagine
1: a midweek official visit to Drexel involves, like, a lot of conference rooms. Like, here, <laughs> this is how you would book this if you wanted to have, like, a breakout session. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a lot of conference rooms. Maybe Drexel's got really nice conference rooms. Who are we will take gonna...
1: a photo with the dragon? That's all we have on the internet today.
0: <laughs> His name's Mario, right? Isn't he Mario the dragon?
1: Yes. Marlo?
0: The dragon? Caden is dipping out the class. Caden, thank you. Thank you. Have fun. See you Saturday, bud. Mario, buddy.
1: Mario um, the Magnificent.
0: Yeah. I don't Which
1: know. Is, it feels like... I, mean, I don't have a joke there. I was going to make some joke about you know Mario Chalmers or something like that. Mario the Magnificent.
0: <laughs> the Magnificent Dragon. So um could have some news, you know, just to something to keep an eye on there on the basketball recruiting front. We'll probably be talking more basketball and not too
1: and that feels like it's it's wrapping up soon, right? Didn't he tell you he wouldn't make a decision?
0: Yeah, didn't give a specific didn't give a specific date. But uh again, I mean, if, if he ends up choosing Temple, I think it's a really solid get. another guy that a local guy that Aaron McKee is identifying early with I I can't say a super early offer, but um a guy that is a different player than um uh than heisier miller but a local guy that is gettable and a guy that keeps improving and keeps improving and you know was not like a local five-star recruit that's just destined to to leave the area but um had a really nice summer and would probably be a really good get for him so yes that could be wrapping up pretty soon um a couple of mailbag questions here to close things out first one is from the screen name glmpa these are from our alscoop.com subscribers. What chance is there that we see Quincy Patterson under center sometime in the season? I don't know if GLMPA is forgetting that he played against Duke, or if the question is more like will we will we see him again? Again, I know it sounds like the safe thing to say. I mean, you you just you never know. I don't know what happens if EJ Warner goes in and just is completely overwhelmed and gets you know, again, like Kyle said, I don't wanna I don't wanna make um, Rutgers you know, defensive front to be like, you know, what, what Georgia was doing last year or anything like that. But let's say he goes out and really, really struggles and is just, or he gets stinged up or something like that. Um, do they put Duwan back in there? Do they put Quincy Patterson in? I don't know. Again, it's, it's kind of easy to look at the, the couple of throws that Quincy Patterson had against Duke and say, woof, cause they weren't great. I wanna be mindful of time and place. They're trailing by a lot. There's not much that can that, that you can do at that point. And you might've been trying way too hard to make something happen. But I, I do think it's a little telling and we don't have any reason to believe that he was hurt headed into last week. So either EJ Warner just wowed everybody in practice and literally just kind of just rose atop the depth chart to, or ahead of, of Patterson on the depth chart to say, hey, if Dewan's struggling, we're going with EJ. But um, obviously wasn't playing well enough, Patterson that is in practice to to get in there. So again, you saw the spot time and mop-up duty at Duke. Nothing too impressive there. Again, I don't know what he could have made happen, but a couple of the throws that he done Cork were not good, uh, were not good throws. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to think that we could see him under center sometime this season again, but I think that's if if you know they see that EJ Warner is a little overwhelmed and we think, you know what, we don't want to. Break this kid's confidence. Other than that, I don't, I don't see it. I don't know. What do you think about this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things to consider. One is that you know statistically, the odds of a quarterback staying and taking every snap for the remaining uh, ten games is is improbable, right? So if that's the case, and you're thinking, okay, another quarterback's going to have to come in at some point, this isn't anything sourced or anything. It's kind of me just reading the tea leaves to an extent. I would assume that Dwan Mathis is probably gone after this year, one way or the other. Like you just lost, assuming that EJ Warner continues to start, and you lost your job to a true freshman, and now you're going to be entering like your fifth, fourth year of college. You're probably not staying at Temple for that. If that's the case, and you're working under that assumption, because at this point it's just an assumption, because players aren't aren't allowed to enter the transfer portal again until you know December fifteenth or whenever the next window is. To the which is a drastic change from the last couple of years. If you're working under that assumption. Would you rather put the guy who has one foot out the door back in or would you rather put the guy yeah. from and who's already transferred twice and has to basically stay? Like, mm-hmm. Would you rather get him kind of exposed to it? I'm with you that I wouldn't really gleam anything from that second half against Duke where it's kind of just going through the motions to an extent on the offense. And yeah, he made some bad throws and he looked inaccurate at times, but we don't know. like, We don't know what the game plan was. We don't know what their outs were. We don't really know what what they were expecting from him in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree that my gut tells me he probably said a really bad week of practice and EJ Warner who uh Cade Warner his brother gave a quote to Mike Jensen this uh morning in the article where he said that EJ was disappointed that he wasn't named the starter after fall practice uh-huh. so that tells me that EJ Warner thought he did well enough in fall practice to say, like hey look I deserve to have this job yeah. I, I looked the part that
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah I mean I don't know where I was really going with that last point I, I think it just uh-huh. tells me that he has the confidence and yeah uh, has shown it so far that this wasn't just like a one-week fluke thing where it was, oh, he got high and we caught lightning in a bottle. In EJ Warner's mind, he's been doing it for two months now.
0: Yeah, well, that that dovetails nicely into our next mailbag question here from the screen name Ewa. What is the backstory concerning uh, EJ Warner coming to Temple? So, Cade Warner uh, had redshirted Nebraska in 2017. That was Danny Langstorff's last season coaching uh, coaching there for the Cornhuskers. And, um, and Warner's first time meeting with Langsdorf was was during that workout. I mean, that's, you know, Caden had that uh, that detail in his story back in January when EJ committed to Temple. So, you know, I, I would assume that, you know, we'll learn more about this throughout the year. I mean, like the relationship started there, the connection started there. And, Beyond
1: that, Langsdorf was Cade Warner's primary recruiter. coming. Yeah, out of high school. yeah. So, so like, the
0: family connection was there. Yeah, you're
1: talking over. like seven years of knowing that family at this point. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder why maybe Colorado wasn't stepping around with them a little bit prior to that, but I don't know what their recruiting class looked like or their scholarship distribution, maybe they were already full of that position.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I mean, I, this might sound like the, 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 the general question that we kind of skipped over earlier, but like, I mean, how do you think you, how do you think you will Saturday? I mean, we talked about the two touchdown passes, which were obviously huge. They needed to win a game. They need to get some confidence going. How, how do you think he looked just overall out there? He didn't have too many incompletions. Again, I know we keep saying this a million times over. They have to play who they have to play. It came against Lafayette, but he did look fairly decisive with the ball and fairly technically sound. I mean, I don't how do you think he looked just overall?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he looked the part. Uh he, in fact, like his, his stats would have been better. If Jakari Norwood dropped an open ball that would have gotten them an extra, you know, 15-20 yards. I think the the easy comparison that maybe like a cynic would make would be okay is this just you know is this just justin lynch against akron mm-hmm. where it's like okay like a freshman came in he just kind of did the right things he got the ball in the players hands and that's really just has it didn't look the case like They Like it doesn't look like they're restricting the playbook or anything with him on that i mean the one thing i kind of saw and pro football focus backed up on this was they took shots like he completed Mm -hmm. three or four balls that were thrown for more than 20 yards so they were taking shots downfield he had he was six i'm sorry yeah six or seven on passes of 10 or more yards downfield so they were taking shots down with him he looked the part it's one of those things where i think like if he could have waved a magic wand and all of a sudden he was six four he's probably not a temple like a corner son six four with kind of like the poise and the pre-snap ability that he has and then armed him like he doesn't have a phenomenal arm. He doesn't have the strongest arm of the team or anything like that, but he has a good enough arm to play at college to play at this level with that skill set and that pedigree. And if he was six, four, then he's probably at Arizona or Arizona state. And we're going from here, but you know, he's 5'10, 10, five, 11, six foot, whatever they want to list him at. And I, I, I think it went about as well as it could be. It's pretty yeah. much like what PJ Walker looked like when he played against Louisville at front that 2013 year where you're like, okay, they lost the game or they won the game against Lafayette, but mm-hmm. against Louisville, you really lost the game. He looked the part. You can see the progression. You can see where like he could be. And that's what I saw from EJ Warner was you could see the building blocks and make them better.
0: Yeah. I asked, I recorded earlier with Adam on the the believe in temple football podcast that we do. And I said, okay, I want to revisit this with you height, you know, physical dimensions for a quarterback. And Adam was about six feet, six one playing at temple, you know, didn't have a long NFL career, but he got, he got to a, a preseason camp and played in a preseason game with, with the Eagles. Um, PJ Walker is has an NFL career as a backup. I think, I think you'd probably give PJ maybe an inch over, over EJ. And is probably stockier might have a stronger arm. Um, but I asked him is the size, obviously anybody could say Like you said if he's six, three, six, four probably doesn't end up at temple. If you're six, three, six, four, and you have a cannon for an arm, obviously that's going to help you. But do you think that the, the, him being an 18 year old kid. And if he looks again, he does look closer to like 5'11 out there. I asked Adam, if, do you think that's a little bit overblown? He said, yeah, I might be a little biased here, but yeah, I think it's a little overblown. You just have to find, you just have to find open throwing lanes. You got to put the ball where it is. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things go for him. I mean, like it, it's easy. And again, you, these other guys that were uh, these names I'm about to mention are more accomplished. Stetson Bennett at Georgia, five eleven. If you want to look more, afraid I don't want to say localized, a more American Athletic Conference example of a shorter guy who was playing really well before he got hurt. Mackenzie Milton, very similar, very similar build. So uh, it it can be done. So
1: yeah, but we'll counterpoint to that is I also just saw Baker Mayfield have to answer ten minutes of questions about why he's so short and he throws the ball into defensive lineman's hands. So like there is there is a disadvantage. Oh them.
0: sure. Absolutely. Can you overcome that
1: disadvantage? Sure, absolutely. But there's a reason that prototypical quarterbacks are not five ten. Like yeah, yeah. You know, I mean even even in this league, like defensive linemen are big boys. Like Temple's actually kind of smaller on the defensive linemen with its six two, six three, six four defensive linemen. There are some six six defensive linemen out there that can, they can make make uh, things hard for five ten quarterbacks.
0: Absolutely. One last mailbag question here uh, from Mike TB 31 of the message board. When are you getting Kurt Warner on the podcast? I'm sure Kevin, the, Kevin, the Gandhi can help make it happen. I don't know. I haven't talked to Kurt Warner yet. Yeah. You know what
1: that kind of tells me to think about this a little bit. I don't know. Like a lot of times you hear like, okay, when they make that move, like, okay, we told, we told EJ on Thursday that like to be ready, there could be a package right. form and stuff like that. If it was known, and this is no disrespect to Cade Warner, if it was known that Elijah Warner was probably going to make his collegiate debut, you would think his parents would have been there instead of the K- Kansas state K- game state, yeah. that, that uh, Cade Warner played in sparingly. So if that's the case, like maybe this really was just kind of like a gut decision, whether it's from Danny Langsdorf or Sandray, and i like, look, it's a game that will probably win regardless, just because at that point, you know, they're running the ball down their throat they' They haven't been able to stop them. Let's just see what the kid looks like. Like mm-hmm. worst case scenario, he looks overwhelmed. We redshirt him and then no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. So maybe it really was just kind of like, hey, look, trust your gut on this one. He went out there, he looked the part. And now mm-hmm. the narrative of things. It's also important to note that Stan Drayton has not named him the starter.
0: No, he said he he did not name him the starter on Monday. Um, and, and I think, and again, if I were Stan Drayton, I'd probably do the same thing. I think Stan is, it's not that he's not praising people. Like he's praised Shikari Norwood. He's praised and Stewart, he's praised EJ Warner, but he said, you know, he talked about the things that he did well in Saturday's game. And he said, yes, he has taken more first. He's taking first team reps in practice this week. He didn't say EJ is our guy for the rest of the year. EJ is definitively starting on Saturday. He is a top of the depth chart. I would be mildly surprised if he doesn't start. Um, but. I don't know i think that stan is is has been cautious about how he praises people how he criticizes people because he is a first-time head coach and he knows that he i'm sure behind closed doors like the, the classic thing to say is for fans to say ask the tough questions how come stan drayton didn't rip his team more blah 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 blah. i get that but the coaches aren't here to rip players to make you the fan feel better and then you fall asleep on a saturday night or a friday night whenever you are watching a game but um, I think he has been very procedural and very careful about that. Um, I can't say I know Kurt Warner. I've never met him. Um, you're, Kevin Godley,
1: talking about you grew up right next to him. Didn't you guys ever share a room?
0: My brother, yeah. Your brother looks well, a lot like Kurt Warner. He does. My brother does look a lot like Kurt Warner. Um, I, I, this is just a just a, a wholehearted guess on my part. Kurt Warner strikes me as the type of guy who would not maybe I'm wrong, all of a sudden start like hitting the media circuit. Like, let's say, let's say EJ Warner has a solid to very solid game against Rutgers, even if they lose Saturday Um, for a guy, that's a hall of famer and a hall of famer for a reason. I wonder if Kurt Warner would be very judicious about what, you know, what he does, how often he's talking to reporters about his son, because he knows how, how Thin a line there is between success and failure. So hey, Mike TB thirty one. If we can get Kurt Warner on our podcast, I'll never turn that down. That'll be awesome. Be great to have a Hall of Fame quarterback on. I like I said,
1: if we get him on, as you wouldn't turn it down. As if like his camp would reach out to us. I know. Like, as, hey, soon as, know I, as soon Kurt as I as soon as I said that, to I knew about the rounds. Yes, his number one choice, the scoop. Like <laughs> he's a big fan.
0: <laughs> I'm familiar with your work, guys. I know. As soon as that left my mouth, I thought, yeah, it doesn't. That didn't like, come out the way I wanted to, but.
1: If the ghost of Queen Elizabeth wants to make an appearance on the scoop, I'm not going to turn that down. Okay? Like, look, she's just, she's open door. The door behind me is closed. Is that, but it's open is door. that what you've been hearing? That she wants to make an appearance? Yeah. I wouldn't know if I'd interview the queen when she was still alive. <laughs> I'm so, like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs>
0: I don't know. We'd have to do it through a Ouija board, I guess.
1: I asked her, like, why the world was black and white back in the day. And she's like, you know, that was just, like, color photography wasn't around. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry well, that, about that, that, Betty. That would uh, that would send the scoop in a different direction. Anyway, we'll have uh, we'll have a full I stop have a on. For you. Yes.
1: Did Did you see you saw the clip of Heiser Miller in the pro run? Right. Yes. Him doing the hitting the jumper against Toby Harris. Mm-hmm. Does that encourage you more about Heiser Miller or discourage you about the Sixers?
0: Great question. I think it encourages me more about Highseer Miller. Like I, I was talking to a couple of people about this. And again, I don't, I don't know. And I, I promise you, I'm not trying to take away from, from, from Fabe here, but I don't know how hard these guys are going in the pro run games, but I think generally speaking, the one thing that you can see again, these are clips, but Highseer looks awfully confident in his jumper and getting it over people who are taller than him. Um, you know, you saw like the clips of him shooting over Nate Pierre-Louis and Nate, I think Nate is nuts about his defense and is hoping that's going to be his ticket to eventually getting to the league at some point. I mean, even if, even if Tobias Harris is going like three quarter speed, I thought it was really impressive to see him just like shooting and shooting with confidence over him.
1: You know, it just might just remind me of, it actually kind of puts a bow on all of this. Do you remember like, I guess it must've been, June. Sam Cohn texted us and said he saw Elijah Warner, a, f- a fellow 5'10 person, just draining like seven threes in a run at the pavilion. Yes. Yeah. I see Miller, EJ Warner, EJ Warner, going to have uh, some similar, similar challenges. They have to be able to get their shot off above taller guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we'll be talking Temple Hoops sooner rather than later. Uh, it, it, there are reasonable expectations for Temple, to – go to the NCAA tournament in Aaron McKee's fourth season.
1: I guess I saw a stat today that out of, um, of all like high major teams, so which includes the American, I think Temple return returns like the ninth or 10th most minutes from last year, which mm-hmm. is impressive considering they lost Jeremiah Williams. So like, I feel like we, we've we been harping on the, or focused on like the key new key pieces they've added and Shane Zoni and, you know, Jameel Reynolds and all that. But there's also just so much returning from last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I have to say, in closing, before we close out the episode, loved your quote tweet of John Rossine.
1: <laughs> Look, I can curse him. That, that fucking guy. Like, I, I, don't, I really don't know how much of of him is like a character. And if it is a character, then like, you are the Christian Bale of of tweeters. Like, you are a method actor. You're really bought into this. I do think sometimes he just like occasionally. It's like one of the moments where like, okay, he's in a coma and he's doing this, but every now and then he pops out on a real him show. I think he re- realizes every now and then like, this is ridiculous. And I'm still just going to tweet it. And I think that was one of those.
0: Confidant like, on North like Park you, Street. You,
1: you, nobody forced you to say the word confidant. You could have just said source. You felt the need, whether it's to puff your own chest out or to like kind of tongue in cheek, it to say confidant, which by its very definition means that you're not supposed to be
0: revealing
1: yeah. what they tell you. Yes, yeah, sir. So. But- it's also just a cheat code for likes on Twitter. On Twitter, but like the people that follow me on Twitter, you take a shot at John Rossi and there's 45 likes. <laughs> you wake up, you take a shot at John Rossi, and you make 45 likes. You go take your morning dump, you start your day. It's a good day.
0: <laughs> what a way to close out the podcast. But John just
1: did not show up on us.
0: We're on late, late from a, from a meeting here with, with, with the Temple News. But we will have Javon Evans with us next week. We'll be back next week to talk to you about. Whatever happens between Temple and Rutgers, whatever football and basketball recruiting news we might have as well. And it's the Kyle uh, th-
1: Gauss Media Tour this week. Yeah. I make it find me all over the radio dials this week. Including you. Don't you have a Pat Egan thing coming up?
0: Yes. Do the do the weekly hit with Pat Egan. That does that's not live on the air, but that is uh, on the Fanatics website that's posted uh every Friday or mostly mostly Friday. So we'll be re- recapping the Temple-Lafayette game, what Temple's going to be facing uh, against Rutgers. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next week. Thanks for all the, the mailbag questions, and we'll talk to you guys soon.